So last year I was asked to be the keynote speaker at a women's conference in Maryland. In fact, I just got back from it last weekend. And when the coordinator of the event emailed me and asked, do you do this type of speaking? I said, yes, of course. And I don't think she knew that I hadn't really done it before until she asked for my contract. And I did not have a speaker's contract. In fact, I tried to Google it and play it cool, but I really couldn't find one. And so I asked her to help me develop it based on speakers that they had had in the past. Now, the truth of the matter is I am fully capable of doing this type of speaking. I just hadn't actually done it before. I probably the largest group that I had spoke in front of and taught uh, was my old church you know we would have several hundred people in attendance so it's not like I hadn't been on a stage or done this type of thing however being the keynote speaker at the faith-filled women's conference in Maryland was a huge milestone for me and it really did go well um, I did two keynote sessions they were each one hour and the topic was fearless and I told some fun stories and we dug into two different storms that Jesus and the disciples faced together. They're so familiar to us. One is where Jesus sleeps in the back of the boat. The other is where Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water. And so I was able to give some really interesting cultural context and understanding from the time that brought us so much deeper into how we can be in the boat with Jesus and in this place of peace, even when the storms of life are crashing and the wind is blowing, you know, like the world today. And so I was able to give super practical advice on how we can keep in peace, even when the world is raging around us. And so I am going to invite you later on in this podcast to join a workshop where you too can get all of that information because once I put it together and then shared it with the women there, it was really powerful and the feedback was really positive. So I'm going to lead it as a 90 minute workshop on April 22nd and we'll get you all the details and uh, the, the registration is in the show notes or in the description below. However, my whole point today is not to talk about being fearless, but to talk about the process that the Lord takes us through to get us to our place of calling. Speaking to women, speaking uh, you know, to a large group is probably my greatest passion in life. I love to communicate <laughs> and I love what I get to do on social media, YouTube, now podcast. However, it kind of goes back to my radio days. My very first communication role was in radio. My twin sister Dawn and I did the morning show along with producer Mike um, back in a small market in Minnesota when we first got out of college. And it was awesome because I got to talk every day. However, going every single morning at 5, 5.30 a.m. to a dark, essentially closet, which is a radio studio where you record and you can't see the people that you're talking to is very difficult. And so I got to this place where I'm like, I just want to see and feel and touch the people. And so that's when I found my way into ministry and eventually um, worked my way onto staff at the church where I became an associate pastor. And then I got to teach in front of real live people. And then 
when my second child was born in 2020, that's when we decided that I would stay home. And then that's when my online ministry started to evolve. But I have to tell you, getting then to this point where I am speaking as a keynote uh, to 800 women, 700 women in Maryland, it was a lot of work. <laughs> and it was a lot of staying in place. And it was a lot of behind the scenes serving and grinding it out and patience. And so today I want to encourage you. We're going to look at the life of Elisha. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more of my story because I want to encourage you that the Lord knows right where you're at. And he has not forgotten you. And now in my 40th year, things that I have been dreaming about for decades are, are coming to pass. And I see how he works together all of our past experiences. And he shapes us and gives us practical skills and tools. He brings us into divine connection with others. And how he is constantly working on our behalf to see the outcomes that he has destined for us. And so that's going to be the conversation today. Again, I'll share some of my story as well as we'll dig into the life of Elisha. Really quickly, I want to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Trades of Hope. I am so proud of this partnership because we're helping women around the world break free from poverty and earn a fair wage for their family. And they make the most beautiful handcrafted jewelry, handbags, and home decor. Right now, you'll receive a free gift with your purchase of $75 or more. So thank you so much for your support of this podcast and women around the world when you shop Trades of Hope. Find the link in the show notes or in the description below. So when I was just, goodness, 22, 23 years old, working at the Christian radio station in central Minnesota, we, this was back in the time of CDs. And I was so dedicated to growing in my craft as a communicator that every day after the morning show, it was about three hours long, I would take the cassette tape. We had a cassette tape that would record every time we turned on our microphones. So it wouldn't record the music. It wouldn't record the commercials. It would only record our talk breaks. And we had about four long, like three to four minute talk breaks. It was a music format. So we didn't talk all the time. Um, we would have like four, three to four minute talk breaks every hour. So at the end of a three hour show, is that 12? <laughs> I think that's 12. <laughs> 12 talk breaks that I would then, I would take that cassette tape and I would burn it to a CD and then I would put it in my Ford Mustang, that was my car, the CD player, and I would listen to it as I was driving home. And I would critique, I would critique our delivery. You know, we would work on things in radio. Um, for example, you don't wanna talk to everyone. You don't wanna say, good morning, you all, because only one person is sitting in the car listening. And so you wanna talk to them like you would talk to a friend. And you would want to set up the topic so they would know what you're talking about. Or if you had talked about something in a previous break, the whole audience could have turned over by the time you get back to it. So you always had to reset the topic. And then I would want to make sure that I left room for my co-host to banter back or the producer and, and make sure everybody that was equitable. And we were, you know, and we would try to, uh, myself and Dawn, my co-host, we would try to polarize. So if I said the sky was blue, she would say, actually, I think it looks pretty gray today, you know, or if I was pro whatever topic, then she would, you know, try to be an antagonist just to make things more interesting, as long as it was still authentic, of course. And so, 
these were the things and the skills that we worked on. So every day I would get in the car, I would listen back to that CD. And eventually we really grew as a morning show. In fact, we, I'm going to brag, okay, <laughs> but we worked hard at it. We beat out the country station with women uh, 25 to 54, which was our demographic. That's huge in central Minnesota, let me just tell you, okay? And so that was a big accomplishment. And eventually, like I said, I just really got to a place where I'm like, this is amazing, but I want to see and feel and touch the people that I'm talking to every day. And so I took an opportunity to, I resigned my position. I was actually the, the program director managing the, a lot of the radio station. Um, and I resigned that position. I moved back into my mom and dad and I attended a full-time ministry school at a church in the Twin Cities Metro. And I knew if I could get my foot in the door that I think this was really going to be a great place for me to be. And so I attended this full-time ministry school and sure enough, I came on staff. I wore a lot of different hats. I helped coordinate the volunteers. I helped coordinate events, you know, like at a small, medium-sized church. There's just all hands on deck. And immediately, there was not a communication or a teaching position available for me. So what I would do is every small group cycle, I would lead a Sunday school class. And so 8.30 in the morning before service, I would, I did one on the Old Testament, I did a New Testament overview, I did um, the life and times of Jesus, and I challenged myself to teach every opportunity that I got. And I can tell you, driving to church, I had about a 20, 25 minute drive because I was out on the farm with my mom and dad. I would spend that whole drive in on a Sunday morning, nervous, my stomach tied up in knots, why am I doing this? Because I was taking this three-minute concise communication skill that I had mastered in radio, and now I was having to completely reformat myself to do a 30-minute, 45-minute Bible lesson. Plus, I didn't grow up in a church that emphasized Bible learning, knowledge, reading it for yourself. And so I also was doing this to grow in my understanding and, and get a much deeper knowledge of the Bible. And so I'm learning this content as I'm going, and then I'm trying to teach it. And I felt so insecure. And I don't even know, honestly, if it got easier. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I stayed faithful. I had incredible people around me that were so kind to cheer me on, to come to my classes, uh, to go through these growing pains with me until eventually I came to a place where I was teaching in our school of ministry and then ultimately became one of the associate pastors at the church and would teach on occasion during the weekend services which was a highlight for me. And it was something that actually, because of all of the work in radio and teaching Sunday school classes, felt pretty natural. And so I tell you all of this because that is an almost 20-year journey. And that was a ton of hard work. And, you know, in that time then, going through other transitions in life, um, <laughs> dating relationships, breaking off those dating relationships, finally meeting my husband, getting married, having kids, you know, and all the life stuff that happens as well. And so having to kind of ebb and flow with the season and the opportunities that were available to me until finally 
in January of 2022, I get an email that says, would you like to be our keynote speaker? Do you do this? <laughs> and in faith, I was able to say, yes, I do. When do you want me? <laughs> and so, um, so again, so traveling to Maryland and being part of this conference was a real highlight and, and just an opportunity that I'm so grateful for. And I was incredibly nervous because I hadn't actually been in front of a live group of people communicating since before the pandemic and since before my second child was born. So it had been almost three years since I stood up in front of a crowd and spoke. And so I erred on the side of over-preparing. I made myself practice over and over here in my bedroom and in the hotel room. Um, but to the point when I got up there, I, I felt like all of the experiences of the last 20 years really came together and it really was dynamic. So again, I, I would love to invite you um, to experience this fearless workshop. I'll be doing it live. So you will get to participate. There will be q and I'm going to share some of the teaching about these two different storms that Jesus and the disciples faced. And then I have three super practical tools for you in your everyday life. When fear comes, even if you don't watch the news, have you noticed how it finds you? I can't believe it. And so when fear comes and things threaten our sense of well-being, our family safety, and just how we look at the world these days, which again, it is pervasive, three tools that you can use to help fight fear, but just be so firmly grounded in your faith that you can be filled with the peace of heaven that Jesus used to sleep in the back of the boat. And so again, the feedback was outstanding. So that's why I want to share it with you. The cost is $8 just because I want to honor those who paid to attend the conference. And, um, and so there is a small fee, but the registration is in the show notes or in the link below. And please do feel encouraged to invite your family, neighbors, friends, coworkers, niece, aunt, grandma. Okay. And you can do it together. And again, I'll do the teaching, but then we'll have some live Q and A and interaction as well. It's going to be really dynamic. Plus all of it will be also available to you for playback. So if you want to go back and revisit any of the content or the notes or anything like that. So here's what I want to encourage you with. Some of us listening right now would love to teach and speak and, you know, like to be upfront and center and are like, wow, how do I get there? You know, and others, it's it's something different in your life right now. I, you know, you would love to own your own business. You would love to serve in your community, maybe um, through a ministry or through an organization. Um, you would, whatever that dream of your heart is, like what's the thing where you just feel so alive? Like it's free money to you. So some of us, it's hosting and like, creating like a really warm, welcoming environment for others. Others, it's, um, it's serving, it's getting out there, it's sharing the gospel, getting your hands dirty and like being on the front lines of what the Lord is doing, maybe even internationally. Maybe you're like, I have been waiting so long to get to travel internationally to a certain like people group or in support of a certain cause. You know, I know many of us right now are touched by um, just the atrocity of human trafficking. And, but you're like, wow, where do I possibly start? You know, or maybe it's something related to your kids or grandkids and, and sewing into the next generation. And so that's where today I want to encourage us from the life of Elijah and Elisha. 
We're gonna get right back to the conversation, but I wanna take 30 seconds to tell you about my small group. It's a private membership community where like-minded women like me and you get together to study the Bible, pray, and grow in godly living. So if you've been looking for a group of like-minded women where we can grow in our faith together and encourage each other on, I wanna invite you to join us. We have our very own app where we can check in throughout the week. I pop in most days and say hello, and we can have private one-to-one conversations Plus, every Saturday morning, we get together live for guided Bible study or prayer. If this is your season to grow in your faith with other awesome women, I want to invite you to join us. Find more details in the show notes or in the description below. And so we're going to pick up the story in 1 Kings 19. So the story of Elijah and Elisha as two of Israel's greatest prophets is basically in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And it's in 1 Kings 19, where Elijah just had great victory over Baal. But then it's amazing. He goes from this like mountaintop experience. He had challenged the prophets of Baal, if you remember this story, and they were calling down fire on the altar. They were basically making clowns of themselves. And then Elijah comes in and his God comes through and prevails. And so he is on this mountaintop experience until Queen Jezebel starts pursuing him. And all of a sudden he finds himself having a pity party in a cave and wanting to die. And so we see that the Lord sustains him through this time, but he also tells him, I am going to send you to a place to anoint your successor. So in 1 Kings 19 verses 15 and 19, it says, the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint the king over Aram and you will anoint the king over Israel. And then Elisha, the son of Shaphat, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So Elijah departed from there and found Elisha while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. Now, several things are happening here that we should take note of. The first thing is that Elijah is sent back through the wilderness of Damascus. And so you would think that Elijah's success, successor, again, at this point, Elijah is the greatest prophet that the Israelites have ever seen. And so you would think that his successor would be charismatic, would be well-known, would already kind of be on the scene. But the Lord sent him back through the wilderness. And this is so important for us to remember that the Lord knows fully where we are. And even to just take this one step further, it said Elijah was um, plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th pair. And so there's two things that we see here. One is that if his family had 12 pairs of oxen, they were actually probably pretty wealthy. This is a good size farming operation. And so two, there actually isn't a great reason why Elijah himself, as part of a wealthy farming family, would need to be working in the field with the slaves. So we don't know if there was they were short on manpower or why this would be, but we see an amazing humility here that Elijah is in the field getting his hands dirty and out in the wilderness in a place of obscurity. And so for us, 
you know, maybe you're in a place right now where you're raising your children and it's lonely and hard, or you've been serving faithfully at church and no one recognizes you, or you're continuing to tithe and you've seen no financial breakthrough, or you're working so hard to stay pure and the Lord isn't coming through with your spouse, or you're in a hurting relationship and you're just trying to hold on and wondering why. These are the places of obscurity. These are the fields that many of us have been called to. And so the encouragement here is to stay in place, to keep your hand to the plow, to continue to serve faithfully. You know, when I first came to my church community, um, I, I was new. Nobody really knew me. I had attended some on the weekends when I was visiting my mom and dad, um, but I was not known at all. And so I knew though that the place to start always is to serve. And so I was like, well, what skills do I have? I'm coming from radio. I had done a little bit of video editing and also some website development just because it was a small radio station. So we wore a lot of hats and the youth were getting ready to go on a retreat and they didn't like have a website or anything like to help put all the details on. And so I just made these little videos to help promote the youth camp and a little website to put their details on. And all of a sudden people are like, wait, what? Who is she? Like, those are real skills that we could use. And you're like, maybe you're like, okay, Diana, I don't know how to make a website. Give me a break here. But the point is serving your family and your kids right now. Um, serving your grandchildren. I know many, um, many families are kind of like, coming back together and grandparents are helping with their grandkids and, you know, just different non-traditional family arrangements right now, but which is so important. And, and that's, it's hard and it's painstaking. And you're like, I don't have the energy for this, but continuing to put your hand to the plow, continuing to be faithful in whatever field you find yourself in right now is a key to the Lord growing us, getting us the skills that we need, and ultimately bringing promotion. And one more piece of encouragement here that's technically encouragement, but might not feel like encouragement, <laughs> but it might help to kind of validate the place that you're in. Elisha got the mantle. So Elijah threw like his cloak um, so very literally his jacket on Elisha and gave him the mantle of a prophet. However, just because someone was given the mantle didn't mean they immediately became the role. And so it was actually six to 10 years that Elisha had to cling to Elijah. Elijah was kind of like old, gristly, maybe not the best people skills in life. Maybe you have like an uncle or a grandpa that's kind of like this, like just kind of like, you know, says whatever is on his mind. And he actually tried to lose Elisha at least a couple of different times. He was like, you can stay back. Like I'm good. And Elisha had to keep clinging to Elijah and saying, no, this is, this is my role right now to serve you and to follow you and to learn from you until it is my time to be anointed as prophet. 
And so sometimes we have to work to stay in place, especially the example of serving in a church community, again, where it feels like you're not really getting the recognition and we have to choose to keep a pure heart. We have to choose to stay in place and we have to choose to serve as long as it's a healthy environment. I don't want you to, you know, obviously be taken advantage of, mistreated, anything like that. But a lot of times it's more a matter of the heart than of the environment. And so choosing to stay in place can be a difficult thing. But ultimately what we see happen is that Elijah does finally go up into heaven. He's taken by this chariot of horses. It's a glorious event. And Elisha gets a double portion. So again, the encouragement, what's happening when you think nothing is happening? It was years that I served at my church doing Sunday school classes behind the scenes, uh, wearing whatever hat was given to me for that season, learning how to oversee volunteers, uh, learning how to oversee a school ministry. But now I can look back on that and see how each one of those roles actually work together to bring me to the season that I'm in right now. And so God is preparing you for what he's prepared you for. In the place of excuse. In that place of obscurity, God's preparing you and your character for what he's prepared you for. Oftentimes, we have to be in a place where we don't really want to be to be elevated into the place where we're called to be. You know, even Jesus had to go through Gethsemane and he had to go to the cross ultimately to get to where he is called to be. And he had the wisdom to say, Lord, nevertheless, not my will but your will. And I feel like this lesson has never been more difficult because it feels like we've never had more options. And I know even when I shared in a previous podcast about the next generation, when I was, I had to study and learn how to uh, employ young people. Uh, I have some that work in our employment, um, in our family business, but also disciple young people. And one of the interesting thing about millennials and the younger generation is they come into a work role and they already have, uh, demands is a strong word, but preferences toward their work environment. They would prefer a flexible schedule. They would prefer the opportunity to travel, to work from home if necessary. And when I was coming up through the ranks, that is not how we approached work. Like you came in at the lower level and then you worked your way up the ladder. But now kids are coming in and they're like, hey, I have skills. Like I've done online trainings. I've done an apprentice or like an internship. I've had all this experience. And so I'm coming in halfway up the ladder and I don't think I need to start at the bottom in order to earn my place here. And so it's interesting the changes that are happening. And again, the opportunities, you know, we see that young workers are very transient they're not as likely to stay in a position. And so the other thing I had to learn with managing younger people is to be really good at attracting new talent, training them up quickly, onboarding and offboarding. And so all of that works against a concept of staying in place, allowing the Lord to refine our character. 
And so if we're older, you know, we can take this lesson to heart for ourselves. We can challenge ourselves to stay in place, to trust that the Lord is doing a deep work and to follow his promptings uh, when it's time. And for our younger people, we can coach them, you know, not to leave hard situations, to allow their character to be developed, to allow challenges and difficult times to come so that we can build um fortitude and that we can grow in some of these life skills. And so I think it's never been more important to be really patient toward younger people, our kids and our grandkids. However, to know that they're brilliant. And so if we can teach them to stay put, to stay sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we are going to see this next generation do things that have never been done before. But on the other hand, I want to encourage you. My twin sister Dawn is always talking about this encounter that she had with Dorothy in Mexico. You've perhaps heard about it. Dorothy in Mexico was Dorothy in Canada at the age of 65. Her husband had passed away and she had a passion to go to Mexico to help work with women who are being rescued out of trafficking and in difficult living situations. And her church told her that she did not have enough experience as a Christian to go on the mission field. But she made the choice in her 60s to go anyway. And now she is 85 years old running a home for women teaching them life skills and giving them a safe place to live. And so if you are in the older generation, I want to encourage you, stay in place, keep your hand to the plow, but look to the Lord and look to him and say, Lord, is it time? Have, are you, am I ready? Like, do you have that place prepared for me? What are we going to do? What's the adventure in this season of my life? And I promise that he'll respond to you. He'll give you peace to stay put and to continue to get the skills and refinement or timing that's needed, or he'll create that divine open door for you to take that wisdom and life experience and all of that hard fought knocks on the head wisdom that you have in order to impact the people that you're called to in conclusion if you've left a difficult situation it may have been the lord's leading or the lord could be asking you to get back in place he may take you to a place that is uncomfortable in order to prepare you for the place of your calling. And so this requires wisdom and discernment from the Lord. And so right now, we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to show us our place in this season so that ultimately he can have us in position for our calling. So Father, I thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you for the deep work that you're doing in each one of us. Lord, that for each one of us, you have a destiny, you have a calling, you have a people, and you have a plan. So Father, right now, I pray that you would show us our place of preparation. If it's serving in our family, serving in our neighborhood, serving in our church, serving in our community, our school, our local government, Father, in our workplace, Show us our field right now, Lord Jesus, and help us to be faithful in serving diligently in that place. Lord, even right now, I know that there's stirrings in the hearts of some of us. It is local government, and it's the courage, Lord, to take that first step. It is our school board, Lord God, and just the faithfulness to attend the meetings and pray and intercede for our school board members. It is our neighborhood, and finally starting that neighborhood Bible study or that neighborhood 
neighborhood moms in prayer group, Lord God. It is our family, Lord, and settling our hearts back in the home, Lord, to know that this is our field in this season in our life. And Lord, you will be faithful to bring further promotion in the future. So Father, right now, I just pray for the wisdom and discernment and grace to stay put in our field of preparation and to serve faithfully there. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare us, you would give us the character, the faith, the skills, Lord, for the calling that you ultimately have on our lives, Lord, that you would show us the people group, Lord, or the area of, of, of our community or society, Lord, or in the church where you have ultimately called us to serve and bring great impact. And so, Father, I just pray that you would even stir up afresh the dreams of our heart, Lord God, knowing that you place them within us, Lord, the natural skills that you have given us, the things that just bring us so much life and energy when we put our hand to it, Lord. Help us to be focused. And Lord, again, I pray for divine open doors and opportunities as the timing is right. So Father, thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for leading and guiding us. And I bless each one of us now in Jesus' name. Amen.